here um, often, but it's lovely to see new faces as well as old. Um, We're going to look at Romans chapter 8. So if you'd like to open up your Bible to page 1134 in the Pew Bibles, or if you've got your own, Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 27 is what we're looking at. And you might also want to get the outline as well that hopefully will help you as we look at this passage. Um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to have a look at this great passage. Father, thanks for speaking to us through the reading of your scriptures and we ask that you continue to speak to us now as we look at this passage. Please show us the great and glorious future that we can have in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, will 2017 go down as the year when many in our nation got what they wanted but along the way lost something significant. This is an Australian man who wrote a statement expressing his grief over his nation, this country, Australia. He grieves at the ban of religious instruction from schools in Victoria. He is sad about the passing of the assisted suicide legislation in Victoria and he was grieving the passing of legislation to do with same-sex marriage. But but also he was sad about the church's failures in terms of child abuse, domestic violence and the appalling treatment of same-sex attracted and transgender people. And he was sad about the church's tendency to move away from sound doctrine. And he asked the question, because out of his sadness and his grief, how can he keep going? Where can he have hope? Does he just give up? Now, you may not grieve over this nation. You may grieve over your own home nation but maybe you are grieving or sad personally. Maybe you're sad because someone has died or you're grieving because you have found that you you have cancer or you are grieving when things don't go the way that you hope. And you wonder, how do you keep going? Can you have hope? Will it get better? Or maybe you don't grieve, but you groan. Just think about how you got out of bed this morning. Did you wake up like this? Or did you wake up like this? We groan not just out of um, anticipating the day, but we groan because we can be frustrated about our world. We think things break down, things die, People let us down. Our work is frustrating at times. We don't get the things we want to get done and we groan. We wonder, is God punishing me? Is he just making fun of me? Whether you grieve this nation or grieve personally or you're frustrated, God has something to say to all of us today. But as we look at this passage, we need to see what Paul assumes, what he already assumes that his readers know. Let's have a look at verse 17 of chapter 8. 
Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. See, it assumes that he is speaking to children of God, people who put their trust in Jesus. And these children of God have an incredible inheritance, but they will also suffer just like Jesus who suffered but also went to be in glory. And that's what Paul wants to stress today, that we will suffer as children of God but our suffering must not take away from how good and glorious our future will be. If you're a child of God, Point one of the sermon is to say that our future glory is greater than any present suffering. Our future is so bright and wonderful. Let's read verse 18 to see how wonderful despite suffering. Verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now Paul is saying that the suffering we face no matter how great, no matter how terrible, no matter how raw, it won't compare to the glorious future that we have with Christ. Now, Paul is not trivial about suffering. He knows what it means to suffer. But Paul makes the point here to show us a new perspective. He's not saying pain and suffering don't hurt, What he is saying, when you compare it to the future, we can have perspective and it enables us to endure. Have you ever seen old-fashioned scales where you measure the weight of something by putting some weights on one side and measuring what you want on the other side and you can balance them? Well, just imagine those sorts of scales, those old-fashioned scales and think about all the suffering and the grief in your life. Maybe you've had uh, illness, you put that on there. Maybe you've had sadness in loss of family or friends. Uh, Maybe you are struggling with mental illness and you put that down and then all of a sudden, thud. All the suffering that you have in your life feels very heavy and it brings the weight right to the ground with a thud. But Paul says... Don't just look at life there. If you are in Christ, think about the future glory and weigh that. And so we put the future glory on this side and then all of a sudden, bang, up goes the suffering and down goes the weight of the future glory because of its worth. Because in comparison, your future glory weighs so much more than your present sufferings. It doesn't even compare In some sense, that just looks like a feather. And even if you add more suffering and more hardship and more persecution and more pain, this won't budge. That is how good and glorious our future will be. Now, you might think or wonder, will it be that good? Well, if you're not convinced, let me show you how Paul tries to show how the creation looks forward to it. And that's point 1A. The creation looks forward to this future glory. Verse 19. 
For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Now, I wonder if you find these words surprising. The future glory is so impressive that the creation not only longs for it, but eagerly waits for it. Now, what is Paul talking about when he talks about creation? Well, he's talking about the plants, the animals, the rocks, everything apart from humanity. Um, He's talking about the rest of creation. The rest of creation is looking forward to this glorious future. But the remarkable thing is that it's waiting for the children of God to be revealed. That's you and I if you trust in Christ. Let's have a look at verses 20 to 21 to see why. Why are they waiting? For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Um, What it's saying here is that creation follows humanity. If you know the story of the Bible, Adam and Eve rejected God and the result was God placed the creation under frustration. And so when we go to plant um, crops, we have weeds and the weeds grow better than the crops. That's how frustrated part of our world. Things don't work the way they ought to. It is futile and meaningless. That's part of our creation. But things also die now because humanity rejected God. And creation, things break down, things wear out. Um, You have to keep buying clothes and underpants and socks because they just wear out. Things are dying and decaying and if you look around, things are breaking down. Creation follows humanity. But also creation follows humanity when Christ brings salvation and freedom to the children of God, the creation will then follow. Creation looks forward to the day when the children of God will be revealed in freedom and glory because it knows that it will be free of meaningless futility and decaying. And that's why the creation looks forward to the children of God being revealed. And this is what is remarkable. Verse 22, Paul illustrates this. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now, I don't like childbirth. Okay, let me explain. I've I've never given birth to a child Um, But I've seen it happen four times for my four children. And every time I go, it looks excruciatingly painful. And I've done some research and I asked Liz, was it painful? I didn't actually have to ask her. She said it was painful. It tells me it's painful. But having a child is painful. But Paul compares what is happening to the whole creation as to a mother groaning in labour pains. Now it's so painful but once the baby comes out and you hold the baby then the pain starts to melt away. 
the pain starts to subside. Sure, it's still there, but once you um, uh, uh, welcome the arrival of the child, there is such glory in arriving of this child that you start to forget about the pain that you just went through. And it's the same way with regards to our world. In our world, it is broken, it is painful, but one day there will be a new world and when Christ returns to bring about this new world, all the pain and suffering that we feel in this world will melt away. It will subside because the glory of the future is so much greater than our present sufferings. So let me say, if you're suffering, if you're in pain, if you feel persecuted, you are, this is not the last word in our world. See, life as a Christian can be astonishingly painful. And becoming a Christian doesn't immune you to, from a difficult life. And if you're not a Christian, then don't expect it will make things easier. But in the end, the best is yet to come. Whatever life throws at you, it will be totally worth it in the end. The glory of a resurrected universe, a world not scarred or um, corrupted or stuffed up by sin or death, but a glorious future. There'll be no crying. There'll be no hurting. It'll be perfect in every single way. I guarantee you will not be disappointed. It will be perfect. But if you're not still convinced, and I hope, you see, I hope you're convinced that it will be glorious, we've seen that the creation looks forward to it. Paul then convinces us that we ought to look forward to it for our sake. And that's point B, 1B, we look forward to it. Or at least we ought to look forward to it because ultimately these broken bodies that we're in will give way to fantastic, new, imperishable bodies, bodies that won't die Verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And that's what we look forward to. We, we look forward to the day where our bodies will re, be redeemed. We'll get new bodies. Yes, we groan inwardly now. Now, can I tell you, um, sometimes I'm afraid of reaching for things on top shelves. Do you know why I'm afraid? Is it my fear of heights? I am scared of heights, but that's not it. Why am I afraid of reaching for things tall? Because when I reach, twing, oh, I've just injured myself by reaching for a can of something. And how do, I, how do I say that to my friends? Oh, I've got an injury. How did you do it? Oh, I was just trying to reach for something. See, we're all broken in our bodies. Um, uh, I've been recently doing some running and it's been going well. And then all of a sudden I wake up and my heel is hurting. And so now I go to bed and I wake up and I start walking and I feel it in my heel and I didn't do any exercise. Our bodies are broken. Sometimes I want to go to sleep. I go to sleep, I prepare well. I don't look at my device before I go to bed. I read a book. I, I drink some warm milk. I go to bed. 2am, awake. And I think, this is a stupid body. What are you doing, body? 
You know, we get sick even when we try to look after ourselves. Vitamin C, cod liver oil. We're not as quick as what we used to be. What we are to hope for is a physical new body. That's what we look forward to. This is what Paul is saying. We look forward to it because we will receive a new body. This is not wishful thinking. It is certain because we remember Jesus. Remember Jesus? We, re- we remember his birth? God become man. When he died, what was he raised? Man. He be- he's raised bodily. Even Jesus, who is God, was raised bodily. And we too look forward to being raised bodily. This is our future. Resurrection bodies that will not die. And not only do we look forward to it, but God is helping us get there by his spirit. Paul uses this term of the first fruits. It's like when you, uh, of a, it's a metaphor of, the, of a harvest. Um, back then you would look, when you had a great harvest, you would get the first fruits as a sign of the, all of the harvest. And you'll enjoy the first fruits and know that there's more to come and better as well. And the Spirit um, gives us the first fruits. We're able to say no to sin. We're united to Jesus. And it's an indicator of what's to come. And the Spirit is moving us towards when the harvest will be complete. When the Spirit will one day finish his work of full renewal. And we will understand more completely what we already have. That's why it goes on to say that we eagerly await our adoption as children. We've already looked at that in the previous chapters, that we are children of God, but we will, in more ways than one, in a fuller sense, we will understand what it means to, when we have the redemption of our bodies and that glorious future. But in the meantime, we still groan. We still experience weakness, pain and suffering. But we're not left alone and we'll look at that a bit later. But I want to ask you, when you think of the future as a Christian, do you believe that you will be completely in a new body? When you think of the future, do you believe that you will be in a body like this, but one that will never decay, that will never die? This is the hope that we have as believers in Jesus, that we will receive a new, restored, glorious, immortal body that won't break down, that won't get sick and it won't show your wrinkles because you won't age. Isn't that incredible? A bodily resurrection that was good enough for Jesus, that is our future. But we're still weak, we still struggle, we still have pain and persecution Well, how does God help us? By his spirit. And it's by the spirit we are helped. And that's point number two. The spirit of God helps us while we wait. Not only does our hope sustain us in suffering, God's spirit sustains us in weakness. Verse 26. In the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but... The Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Um, What is the weakness that it's talking about here? I think it's the weakness in the second sentence of that verse. We do not know what we ought to pray for. We're just not knowing what to pray for. 
Um, and I think it's more talking about when we feel acute pain and suffering. Um, if you've ever been very sad and grieving, sometimes you might feel like it's so hard to talk to God. Uh, in fact, I don't know what to say to God in my moment of grief and sadness. But Paul promises that God will not leave you alone. He, he will not only give you an assistance by his spirit, but by his spirit he will come to dwell with you in your pain and suffering. And he will help us in our prayers. And so when you're grieving and sad and you're struggling to pray or have no idea what to pray for, the spirit will pray for you. Not in words that you can understand, but the Spirit will go to work. This is what one commentator says. The Spirit praying prayers beyond prayer, diving down into the cold, dark depths beyond human sight or knowing. See, the Spirit intercedes for us. God understands what the Holy Spirit is saying even when we do not. And so isn't that comforting that when you are really suffering, God's Spirit prays for you and in you? Well, we've talked a lot about a glorious future, a perfect universe, uh, resurrection bodies. But we also need to have right expectations about life now. We are weak. We still suffer. Yes, we have the first fruits. We can call on God our Father. We have no condemnation in Jesus. We can say no to sin and yes to righteousness, but we will still struggle with weakness. We will suffer pain and persecution. But even in that, God places himself by his Spirit in the midst of that. And so even if you're unable to pray at times because of your grief, God is working by his spirit and God's spirit prays for us in perfect accordance with the will of God and there's no hindrance to God at that time. Well, we started our time wondering about grief and frustration and on your way out you might want to pick up the Southern Cross which is the magazine for our church and other churches in the Sydney Anglican Diocese. But there's a great article about grief. And more College lecturer Chase Kuhn writes this, Grief is a fault line. It opens us up. It exposes us. But it doesn't just do this emotionally. It does so theologically. That is what we know about God. It shows us what we know about God. So if you want to know a person's true theology, what they know about God... Speak to them when they are grieving, when they are sad. And he goes on, when you speak to them, you'll discover what they hope in, how they cope, and what makes sense in their world. And so Chase goes on to say that as he listens to people who are sad and grieving, he is aware that people are never always prepared for grief and sadness, but they must be prepared. He says, that is to say that our convictions matter, that's what we believe, in that time. Without clarity with regard to what we believe about life and death, in grief we will fill in the gaps with all sorts of nonsense. So to finish, I want to ask us those three questions because they're great questions. What is your hope? How do you cope? 
what makes sense of your world. Today, we've been given answers to those questions. What is your hope? Well, I hope your hope is that you are looking forward to the redemption of your bodies. New, glorious, immortal bodies. When we fully come into the glory and freedom that Christ has achieved for us. How will you cope in this life by seeing that your present sufferings are far outweighed by the glorious future that you have in Christ? And what will make sense of your world? Yes, this world is groaning. It's, things are frustrating Things are dying, breaking down, decaying. But these are the pains of childbirth that will give way to a new world that will be liberated and free of all those things. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this glorious hope of a, of a redeemed body a new universe and a glorious future. Father, may that hope help us to endure this groaning world as we look forward to the day when we will be revealed with great glory because of our great and glorious Saviour Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Liam. The best is yet to come.